Well, I think I'll start because the people across the hall have been are another New York City Bar Committee, and they know what we do. So I'll give you the, the brief spiel for those of you who don't know the task force. Uh, the task force on the independence of lawyers and judges is a New York City Bar Association task force. And we basically try to put into practice uh, what many countries have signed up to, which is, as I call it, kill the client, don't kill the lawyer. Um, in other words, the Human Rights Committee of the New York City Bar gets upset when people's human rights are violated. We get upset when the countries involved are unfair, mean, torture, disbar, economically penalize the lawyers who are just doing their job. Um, so as you can imagine, you know, what if good old Atticus Finch had been, uh, you know, attacked for just doing his job? Uh, so I think the members of the task force, there were about 10 active members and about 20 or 30 non-active members. I think we come to the task force with the different orientations. Some come from a strong human rights background, and some, like me, come from a, just a guild background, which is we need to protect each other, because if lawyers don't protect other lawyers, nobody else will. Um, the name of our group is the Task Force on the Independence of Lawyers and Judges. We have tonight the Special Rapporteur on the Independence of Judges and Lawyers. Um, but we think that our scope mostly overlaps despite that difference in the names of our organizations. Uh, Diego Garcia Sayan is a Peruvian national, has served as Minister of Justice and Foreign Affairs, and foreign affairs has been a professor of law, uh, has been a judge on the Inter-American Human Rights uh, Court, Court yeah, and done a lot of other things, but I'm going to keep it brief. Uh, he is in New York uh, this time in order to speak. Uh, he was speaking at the UN General Assembly, presenting his report earlier today. Uh, his report was on the importance of bar associations in maintaining judicial and, and lawyers' independence. Um, and he may tell you a little bit about that. He may also tell you a little bit about uh, an idea that he's hatching, which I think is quite interesting. Uh, which is to try to update and, and move the international standards forward. Um, and he'll speak for roughly 20 minutes or so, and then we'll have questions and answers. Um, but I'll ask right now, does anybody have any questions before we start? There being none, Diego, the floor is yours. Thank you, thank you, Will. And thank you all for being here this evening. Uh, I'm really honored to be again at the New York City Bar Association and invited by the task force, which is, we, 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 we have to deal with that uh, ownership of title rights. Not the, the, perhaps the task force owes some money to the, to the special rapporteur, not the person, but the institution. Let's, let's think about it. Perhaps some lawyer here can help, can help us to, to, to solve that uh, debt in favor of the rapporteurship. Well, uh, anyway, thank you very much. This, this is a fantastic opportunity, not, not, not to, to, to give a conference, but to share with you some uh, ideas and some proposals that already Will has uh, mentioned. Uh, just to have a uniform information the, of the special rapporteur and its mandate, uh, I should recall that uh, that mandate has been established uh, more than 30 years ago in 1994 by, by the then uh, Commission of Human Rights in Geneva, now with different organization and in a specific functions, it's called uh, the Council of, of Human Rights. Uh, it was uh, one of the first uh, mandates, uh, thematic mandates in the uh, Human Rights uh, Commission uh, then many, many other thematic and country mandates have been established. Ma right now we have more than 60 uh, mandates. All of them are reporting uh, last week, this week, and next week to the uh, General Assembly. No? And uh, reporters or commissions, yes, in some cases, there are working groups, they report during June, July to the Human Rights Council in Geneva. So the reporters are supposed to present two reports, each rapporteur or working group, 
choose their own uh, thematic uh, center, no? and they present uh, different reports, one in Geneva, other, other here in, 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 in New York. But in any way, when this uh, mandate was established in 1994, uh, the world had, uh, was in many aspects different, no? in a way uh, much more simpler. Uh, human rights violations against the uh, independence of judges and lawyers was in a way more uh, black and white. No? Big repression, some of the executions, torture, and many of the subtleties that exist today in most or in all countries in the world, which is the permanent temptation of political power to control the judiciary to weaken what the judiciary may have of uh, uh, balance of power, of counterweight of the political power. Uh, today are much more subtle, but I, I do say at the same time, extended. So since the beginning and more clear now, it was and it's clear that when first, is the first crucial idea, uh, the idea of the mandate of the special rapporteur is not to be, in a way, the representatives of a trade union of lawyers and judges, but to guarantee and protect independence of judges and lawyers in the name of societies. Because finally, it's of course uh, to protect the rights of judges and lawyers, but through that, to protect society, which for a group like this sounds more or less logic, no? but it's obviously the crucial thing to have an independent judiciary, because the only way to have impartial decisions taken by judges and, and uh, the possibility of the lawyers to act freely. The rapporteurs uh, have had an immense uh, labor to create a kind of doctrine in the last uh, more than 30 years. So when the actual rapporteur speaks or writes his report, he or she is based on what has been done but by his or her predecessor, which has been really consistent since, since the first um, rapporteur, Dato Param Kumaraswamy from Malaysia, which I knew, I have seen her, him this year again in, in the Philippines in the context of a very difficult meeting in which I mentioned what uh, was being done by Duterte to dismantle the independence of the judiciary after the, the Chief Justice of the Filipino Supreme Court has been just uh, uh, erased from the map. No? Uh, so I made a public statement regarding that, and of course the reaction from the president was very tough. No? Uh, when he announced that I must go to hell, <laughs> in other uh, presentation I said that I really don't want to go to hell because I don't want to meet that person. <laughs> <laughs> so that's one of the many things that in, and in, the, in this meeting I had the opportunity to see again after more than 30 years when I was a younger NGO leader in, in Peru uh, to meet him as a rapporteur when he went to Peru in the moment in which uh, the judiciary was just being intervened by, the, by Fujimori after the self-coup he gave in 1992. Uh, but anyway, that doctrine that has been in a way very positively created by the several uh, rapporteurs, about five, you know, uh, it has some institutional base, some in the basic principles of the independence of justice, adopted uh, in Havana but ratified by the General Assembly in 1985. Then, uh, in, in 2002, promoted by the United Nations Organization Against Crime, UNODC, the Bangalore principles of integrity in, in, on, on, on judicial conduct, which is based not since, uh, mainly on independence, but on uh, integrity and uh, judicial conduct. And then other specific uh, rules that have to do with uh, uh, lawyers and lawyers associations and International Association of Magistrates, Union Internationale de Magistrats in, in, in French, that adopted uh, last year the Universal Charter of Judges, which is, I think, proposed by the, the World Association of Judges. So all of these are different elements, but especially the basic principles of 1985. 
old and permanent challenges. Uh, the intrusion of political power to control the judiciary, to control the selection and appointment process, to control uh, discipline, uh, to have to facilitate the dismissal of uh, judges when they are uncomfortable to the political power. That's a kind of a biological uh, tendency of political power in the world. When there exists enough uh, counterbalances in a democratic society, the temptations uh, don't have a highway to express themselves. They have their own limits. Or in many cases, of course, the persons ex exercising the political power are real democrats by themselves. So that temptation, when appears, is when they are uh, having a drink and not when they have a, 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 exercising the, the, the political power. Hmm? Uh, what are three or four elements that I want to share uh, with you uh, tonight? Hmm? First, that uh, besides that uh, uh, DNA tension of political power, there is a new element that is affecting systematically uh, the independence of judges in the world, which is corruption. Corruption in organized crime, we discussed this matter last year when, we were, when I was here, which <coughs> not necessarily derives its uh, activity from the political power, no? which in many cases could be or could not be corrupt. No? But this organized crime by itself, which creates or uses networks or judges, lawyers, journalists, uh, to prevent that uh, judges or prosecutors act independently, so to guarantee impunity. Eventually, the political power in the government is in favor of independence, in favor of uh, defeating corruption, but this is a thing that has an enormous weight, uh, that has much more power than that traditional situation in which the lack of um, checks and balances explain a lot of things in the past. Do they know? In Latin America, for instance, we have democratic governments in most countries, hmm? uh, almost in all countries. Hmm? Uh, and eventually, the inten intensity of the actions by governments to control uh, the, the judiciary is not as it was in the 70s or in the 80s. But the weight of corruption in countries like Mexico, Honduras, uh, Guatemala, my own country, Peru, in which uh, high members of the Supreme Court right now are being prosecuted, not because they receive a bribe, a bribe, but because they were leaders of organized groups of major crime so to penetrate the judiciary. So this is a major concern in which how to prevent that corruption is a key question. And at the same time, uh, following uh, a very important element in international law, which is that one of the most recent uh, universal treaties that had been adopted uh, less than a, uh, a decade ago, uh, was the, uh, the International Convention Against Terrorism, which is the only treaty, uh, the only world treaty against, uh, against uh, corruption, excuse me, not terrorism, uh, in which uh, Almost all countries, even the United States, which is not usually a member of international treaties, are, is member of this international convention against terrorism, which is very clear in various aspects. First, that the way is not a rhetoric uh, uh, treaty. It has a lot of specific and instrumental guidelines of how to coordinate between the states so to prevent and attack uh, uh, corruption, but especially how judges should cooperate between themselves so to combat corruption. So when right, right now as a Peruvian, I see a, job, a lot of former presidents, former ministers and former uh, Supreme Court members in prison following uh, criminal processes based on information given by judges in Brazil on this big case of corruption of the Brazilian uh, construction companies. That gives a clear idea that in the actual uh, context, it will be absolutely impossible for a national judge to make that investigation or prosecution because, be, be, without that information. Because 10 years ago, 
it was illegal that uh, uh, an ongoing process uh, was uh, that information transferred to somebody else, especially to a foreigner, to a foreign institution. Right now, they can participate in processes that are ongoing. So first aspect, this big new wave that threatens independence of judges and lawyers has at the same time a creature that gives uh, important instruments that uh, can be used to prevent and attack uh, corruption. One ingredient that, that I just mentioned now, the basic principles f uh, on independence of justice of 1985 don't say a word about corruption and about the way through which who in the world is in a, has received the appointment, let's say, by the international community to be the vanguard of uh, combating corruption, precisely the judges. So how the basic principles on the independence of justice cannot, not only mention, but to uh, set, establish a set of principles regarding this, that will be a very crucial and important matter that I guess will be supported by, uh, by many, by many, by many, by many countries. Second, the, the, this year report, that, what I presented in June in the Council of Human Rights in Geneva was, I have two reports this year. One on judicial councils presented in, in June in Geneva, and the one I presented today about bar associations and law associations. Some people say that these two matters are not very sexy, no? because they are not about uh, blood going on and, and repression and things. Uh, in a way, they are very con so constructive that to many people they are very boring. No? Perhaps it's true. No? They, they don't have a big uh, denun denunciation against, against uh, specific governments, uh, even I have mentioned some countries uh, today. No? Uh, but what, what he f we, we found that judicial councils following no international rule, but a process in which an, a doctrine has been in a way created in the last 10 years, so to establish in different countries with different names a sort of body in the state which may have the role of appointment and governance disciplines of the judiciary in different parts of the world. Some countries, not, has not been the case in the, in the U.S., but in many countries in Europe, in many countries in Latin America, has been an, a kind of explosion in which 70%, uh, apparently 70% of the countries have some sort of governing body that has to do with appointment, with governance and things in the judiciary, which is a very important element. And I said that in my report, there is no model no standard rules of how judicial countries should be, because in some cases they have to do with ma uh, managing the budget. In other countries, they appoint directly judges, which was the case in Peru is, or is the case in, in, in other countries in the world. But in any way, it's a matter that should be dealt very clearly, uh, and it's another matter that has not been mentioned in the basic principles, because that was not part of the reality of the judiciary in 1985. Now it is. So it could be some countries in which they can serve as quote-unquote model in other countries in which it can be mentioned as another way through which political power wants to control uh, the judiciary. And third, uh, the report I presented, uh, have just presented about uh, bar associations in which the idea is try to rescue uh, the main positive aspects of bar associations with different nom names, uh, Colegio de Abogados, uh, which is not the name here, uh, associations of lawyers in which they are performing or should be performing certain roles uh, regarding society to disseminate the rule of law, uh, training, uh, legal advice to poor people, but m most important above all that the protection of the rights of lawyers against repression and to guarantee their independence, which is of course uh, not a boring aspect, so it should be uh, a matter of major attention because of course when you see the situations in which really there's 
deliberate attack against independence of judges and lawyers in any country, one of the victims in that process usually are lawyers' associations. I mentioned today in the presentation of my report how more than 34 associations of lawyers in Turkey have been absolutely dismantled, their property seized by the government, and many of the members uh, arrested uh, in, in that country. So uh, lawyers' associations are an in a very important ingredient so to guarantee independence of uh, judges and independence of the action of lawyers, no? because the, there is judges, uh, ju lawyers, of course, are not the judges, but are an, an, an essential ingredient in judicial processes, or they are part of the scenario of an independent uh, judiciary. So that's um, another aspect in which uh, some attention should be increasingly given to that. But, and the fourth one is the, the question of the basic principles of the independence of the judiciary of, um, of 1985, in which one first aspect that should be dealt is that they are speaking here among friends. There is a kind of dilemma absolute dilemma in the UN uh, and a kind of jealousy between Vienna and Geneva. Hmm? <laughs> Geneva, we are the good guys, no? we protect human rights. In Vienna, they are the sort of police people that are dealing with uh, combating rocks. And they are very good friends with the FBI, the DEA, no. <laughs> Vienna is other thing. And Vienna says, well, we are really dealing with serious matter. We are concerned with human rights, but at the same time, we have to have connection with the police because they are, they are reality. In uh, Geneva, they are dreaming uh, full of NGOs that they are saying uh, good things, but they, they are not practical things. No? So, uh, in 2002, promoted by UNODC, uh, there was this kind of principles of uh, integrity of judicial conduct. Hmm? that they were very important elements promoted by UNODC and by some governments so to establish certain rules that have to do not only with uh, rights of lawyers, they of judges, but at the same time with accountability, which is a matter that is not fully explained in the basic principles, that is, but is very important because it has to do with the activity of judges and lawyers and has to do, among other things, with the legitimacy of the judiciary in the world. Because in many, many countries, the perception, the, the social perception of judges is not a good one. Huh? There, there are many polls in which, in most countries, the perception that judges and eventually lawyers are part of a elite, corrupt group, unfortunately, is a situation that in some cases has to do with facts that uh, base in this kind of conclusions. Huh? Uh, so what I had promoted and proposed last year is that this, I am not uh, a magician to imagine to this jealousy between Vienna and Geneva to cease to exist, but at least to begin a dialogue to integrate the basic principles and the principles of uh, integridad judicial of, uh, promoted by UNODC. So that is by itself an element that has to do, that has to do with a kind of overhauling of the basic principles, and the other is the lot of absences of things that are not included in the basic uh, principles that should be uh, uh, renewed, adjourned, uh, and suffer a, a strong process of adjournment. How that could work? I don't have the formula and I, I don't have a specific methodology to propose. No? But I do have clarity that certain routes are not the routes to follow. No? Of course, the rapporteur could eventually propose a kind of new basic principles. No? But that's a proposal of the rapporteur whose uh, ideas, conclusions, and recommendations are not uh, mandatory. No? Uh, I am one of the 60 rapporteurs that exist, one in the middle of the forest. Uh, and at the end, uh, the rapporteur plays positively a kind of uh, 
critical role in many countries or, or redealing re with many governments. So perhaps won't it be necessarily the guy that proposes the set of basic principles. But what the rapporteur can do is what I have repeated this morning in the third committee, is to call the governments, call the international organizations, and call the national organizations of uh, lawyers and judges to work on this matter, to begin to discuss this, and to eventually expect that some countries begin to take some initiative to do what really has some legitimacy to change international rules, which is that two, three, or four countries convene a kind of working group in Geneva or in Vienna or in Vienna and Geneva <laughs> at the same time, uh, so that these ideas can begin to be part of a permanent process of dialogue. But for that, I would say that it, what would be crucial is that uh, institutions that represent judges and lawyers play an active role. Because finally, uh, the governments, uh, in many cases, are not the first uh, group in the, in the society to be interested in promoting that strong independence of judges and lawyers. So judges and lawyers must do that work by their own. I am working very closely with the Union Internacional de Magistrats. I don't know exactly the name of the organization in English, the World Organization of Judges, perhaps is, is the name. Uh, they, ha they are having their meeting in Marrakech uh, this week or the following, the following week. And they, are, uh, they have already adopted that uh, charter for in the independence of, uh, of judges. Hmm? But I would say that the most relevant law associations, uh, bar associations, uh, law societies in the world uh, could play really a fantastic role to prepare, conduct this process of dialogue in which the rapporteur should be not the guy that prepares all that, but the, the person that receives a, 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 a live process of what is going on in society. That has legitimacy. I am not undermining the weight or the role of the uh, rapporteur. I am just being uh, absolutely real realistic about what a rapporteur can do and what he or she uh, is better that to expect some other movement from, 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 other, from other sources. So what I would uh, really uh, up see optimistically is the way uh, with the task force, no? uh, including uh, the Bar Association of New York, uh, uh, universities, uh, professors, students, uh, lawyers, and judges, begin to open a debate hmm, to say, well, these basic principles are not an international treaty, but they are, in a way, so consistent and so duly uh, accepted as the rule. Nobody has ever said, no, that's only a declaration. I won't follow that. No, no, everybody, all countries say that they are fulfilling all the elements. So we must uh, part from that uh, more or less solid base. Hmm? So I see really uh, crucial that that task force uh, could do. I would envisage a process in which the task force, the Union Internacional de Magistrats, and perhaps two or three other bodies in the world can begin to open this debate. So from one day to the other, we could see uh, official meetings being convened someplace in the world uh, by states to discuss this, to have a special rapporteur to prepare that uh, draft so that this corresponds not to what a rapporteur may think, but to a process, a life process in which judges and lawyers could play a more active role. So it's a question in which I wouldn't envisage uh, results that we could see finish in two or three years, unfortunately, but a process in which the process by itself, even when, when, when the new uh, rules aren't, hadn't been adopted yet, and the process by itself could just open the debate of new elements that are challenges and at the same time possible responses. Huh? Well, why don't we discuss, not now, uh, this thing of the judicial councils has some sense 
some sense to propose that judicial suspensions exist in more countries or not. You know? I have not reached a clear conclusion regarding that because uh, I, don't, I don't feel that I represent what all judges and lawyers think in the world because I don't know, <laughs> because there are so many differences in, 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 in the countries. No? So uh, we'll, I, I would like to, to finish there to, to, to open a, a debate or questions and, and, and really to, to challenge you to, to work together. No? To work together, we, we, we have uh, uh, nobody else in the world will propose this adjournment of the basic rules to, uh, to, for the independence of judges and lawyers if we don't do it. But it would be a wrong path to follow if the rapporteur by, by himself or herself from one day to the other has a new page, a new paper, fantastic to write an essay for, for a, a big academic uh, review. But in practical terms, that would be not the most practical, not, not most effective thing to do really to guarantee independence of judges. And so I will leave that, my presentation there with. Thank you. Okay. Well, thank you very much. Uh, we'll have some questions. Well, first we'll give you a round of applause. Um, I'm just going to make another pitch, and then we're going to go to questions. So if this subject interests you, and I think it does, uh, and you are not on the task force so far, feel free to give me your card. And if I leave early to meet friends who have flown in from overseas, um, feel free to give your card to Chris. Raise your hand or Martin, raise your hand, or Jesenia, raise your hand, or Bob, raise your hand, or Lisa, raise your hand, and I forget whom else. Uh, Mark, yes, anyway. So, but you know, just if you are interested in this subject, uh, please don't just go away, uh, stay with us. So questions, we've got one at the back, yes please? Yes. First of all, can you identify who you are? So you're you're a judge. Yeah, I am a judge. Yeah. Okay. And, Just to give uh, Diego I some context. Thank you. That would be fantastic. I don't have a specific proposal because I, I am not uh, familiar with uh, your organization. But that's, that, that, that's precisely the, 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 the support, not the rapporteur needs, but the kind of experienced people that want to say something, and perhaps a thing that your group could do, uh, first would be to disseminate the basic principles, uh, because not everybody is familiar with them, and to begin to uh, perhaps after that uh, internal debate to prepare a set of questions or things that the basic principles uh, don't deal or don't deal enough. And perhaps some ideas to, after that internal debate, to establish two, three, whatever number of conclusions to say, well, they are okay, perfect, nothing, nothing to suggest, so that at the end of the day, if this task force uh, can continue its activity, I am sure it, it, it will do, can uh, receive different proposals no? with uh, specific uh, ideas of what is missing, what is wrong in that basic principles that are dealing with uh, general questions in the world in a context in which judiciary, judiciary problems are absolutely different from one place, uh, place to the other in a context in which in many, many countries, in many countries, uh, by the, at the same time, uh, the lack of independence is not increasingly being seen as a problematic uh, aspect in many societies. Why? Because I have just uh, felt that perception in the Philippines uh, some weeks ago. My feeling is that in my neighboring country, Brazil, is a process very similar to the one in the Philippines in which in the name of internal security uh, to combat crime, which really is a big pressure against society with the rate of homicides is very, very high in Brazil, in Honduras, in Philippines, you know, uh, 
whatever is done that sounds practical. No? Who cares who appoints the judges? Who cares if the judge receives or not instructions from the government, if the judge is put in prison, in prison eventually allows that some of the criminals, quote unquote, are being killed by the police. No? So we are dealing with a major problem. It's not a question of technicalities in which you can say, well, of course, we need to improve the rules, but we need to review the rules in a context in which the legitimacy of the, the independence of the judiciary, which is crucial for a group like us, is not necessarily the language being spoken or the perception being shared in a lot of societies. We need to receive examples from many, many countries. No? For, for instance, I, I'm thinking now in the, in the US, no? An independent judge in Hawaii can stop a presidential decision regarding immigrants, immigration. But I wonder how many people in the American society fully disagree with that judge and eventually do not accept that a judge from a tiny place in the middle of the Pacific can confront the decision taken by the president of the United States. Well, apparently even our attorney general uh, yeah. shares, so, shares the view of the Brazilians and, yeah, and no. Filipinos. So, so, so that's a matter in which we must, so the question is, what are we speaking about? Hmm? Uh, so not to create a kind of sect no? in which we are convinced among us, ourselves, yeah. but we need to hear what is happening in a society in which, as may have happened some decades ago, beginning in Europe, in the 30s, this a kind of inertial prevail, prevailing climate of authoritarianism. My, that's my personal perception. It's a matter not to be discussed more here. That is a thing that we are suffering right now in several parts of the world. So we are, with, we are dealing with that. It's not a question of wording. So for judges or for former judges, what is the best way to respond to this kind of authoritarian temptation, uh, allowance of uh, uh, lack of independence, just one of the questions that, so thank you for, for your, your question and I, I hope I have a, given not a clear response but at least a path that could be eventually found. Okay. Next question. Martin. Well, I just want to uh, add uh, to what Luis said to welcome you here uh, because I think uh, it's been long overdue that UN Rapporteur on uh, Judges and Lawyers uh, has a relationship with this Bar Association. It's a natural combination, and uh, the fact that uh, you helped make that a reality, uh, I think, is to be welcomed on all sides. Um, two practical questions, I guess. One is picking up on the theme of how Bar Associations and international civil society can help you and your office meet the ever greater challenges. One thing you've talked about is suggestions about how to improve you know, the current international standard. Uh, one question I would have, are what other ways might associations and bar associations, judges associations and, and um, NGOs help? Uh, would what they do in other contexts, just giving you facts, whether regarding things in the United States or based on uh, fact-finding missions that this bar association Martin, why don't you, let's get the first answer then, because I can't keep two things in my head at the same time. Mm -hmm. Well, it's very difficult to answer to, to, to your question, Martin, because I would say the rapporteur needs more facts, needs more information, more suggestions of what to do, what to, how to do the things better, no? uh, which the rapporteur deeply appreciates and needs. No? Uh, so that's a thing in which, of course, it would be crucial to open uh, for a certain time, but perhaps with your cooperation with specific questions, no? mm -hmm. what do you suggest regarding the basic principles, regarding a specific 
uh, matters, no? uh, that we can set a kind of very precise and to send it to, to everybody, but we, to think especially in a, in a set of organizations and of specialists, uh, NGOs, academia, uh, to follow up uh, uh, that uh, questionnaire and to receive and to have the possibility to process that. That would be fantastic. No? And my feeling is that the only way through which that could be feasible is with the operations, uh, the cooperation of uh, groups like the tax force. There's no way that with uh, resources of the UN that could work. What is my staff? 65% of one Italian. <laughs> no? In the cooperation of some interns in the Conrad Adenauer Foundation that are here for three months hmm, with no payment. Hmm? But that's, uh, that's the special reporter. Hmm? So uh, the strength is not in the uh, kind, the amount of people that uh, the staff that the reporter has in the UN, but the strength is in the values, the values, the principles that are shared by many organizations and individuals in the world. So if we do not um, make all these organizations and individuals part of this set of, uh, of, of process, all this it won't lead to, to any place. So that's a major challenge. You know? so I would say if from the following year we could achieve to make that set of specific questions, to organize that process so to uh, promote that we can receive really some comments, not through the bureaucratic way that mm -hmm. to send it by email, well, nobody will care, and the intern from, of the intern and of the intern will, share, will follow, uh, will respond the, the, the questions, and that won't be really a substantial response, official response of institution. I would say to involve in the process, mm -hmm. the society is crucial. That's one of the reasons I don't want a reporter to say, my basic, new basic principle as this, no? That, that, like, legitimacy of that, I'm very objective, would be very, very low. No? So that would be a kind of comment regarding your first uh, question, Martin. And the other? Uh, yeah. <laughs> Opportunities within the UN system, because other rapporteurs will have, uh, um, say, the rapporteur on, you know, educational rapporteur on extrajudicial killing, that will actually be topic that, say, the Human Rights Committee of the ICTPR will have immediate jurisdiction over it. So there'll be, you know, uh, uh, synergy between what the rapporteur does and the rapporteurs uh, will have that institution within <coughs> that can push the rapporteur's recommendations and findings. You don't have that. Um, and so are there opportunities for reform in the UN system, either through the Human Rights Council to be frank, at this stage, I don't think. I am, I am not uh, very, very optimistic uh, at all. There are more than 60 mandates. All the tendencies are not in a, in a process to reduce the number of mandates, but to increase them, increase them in the idea, wrong idea, that with more thematic mandates, that means that the UN is protecting more human rights, which is not the case. No? Because if we have in the same more than 60 mandates, uh, one, some from summer executions, other for arbitrary detention, other for specific, very important problems, very specific problems like leprosy, you, you be, begin to open a thing in which imagination can lead you to uh, open mandates for each of any important sickness that generates some sort of discrimination in the world. When you dilute the scale resources and the staff support is reduced to, to almost anybody, that's the best way by which the UN is undermining the mechanism of protection of human rights. And who is taking care of that? Not the Secretary General, which perhaps doesn't know how many mandates we have, or the High Commissioner of, of, of Human Rights, but the state parties. Are the state parties that create these mandates, 
nobody says them, oh, we're, how we are going to, to, to support that uh, new mandate. And so at, at the end, we are dealing with a lot of political decisions to satisfy specific uh, requirements of a state or for a group of states. No? So, uh, of course, you, have, you may have very strong people inside the UN. The previous High Commissioner of Human Rights was really strong and committed. That was uh, one of the reasons he didn't ever thought of the possibility to be candidate for the re-election. He wouldn't be re-elected at all. No? And perhaps that would be a good principle, that the High Commissioner of Human Rights should uh, not be a, 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 a possible re-elected, and perhaps a more uh, prolonged uh, time in his post and his or her post, and not four years, but uh, six or, or, or seven years. No? So, again, if one says how all these the basic principles, uh, the convention against disappearances, so how they have been. Uh, translated to a written paper with two specific proposals, almost all of them is a process in which civil society has played, and the academia has played a very active role. In, in that context, eventually, three or four countries, usually European countries, have catched this matter and say, well, why don't we convene a kind of working group in Geneva or in Vienna to discuss this matter and begin to invite people, university professors, that's a way through which the Universal Declaration on Disappearance, I have been very closely working with that in the 80s and in the 90s, that's a way how it was drafted. No? So, so we are going to, in a way to prepare a condition in which a kind of uh, uh, leadership can be finally uh, pre prepared by some countries in which could be a mixture of countries from Europe, from Latin America, or from uh, Asia, yeah, in Africa, that would be uh, fantastic. No? But uh, I am not uh, perhaps too optimistic, perhaps uh, too bluntly realistic about the, the weaknesses inside the U.S. No? Chris? It's very, very difficult, Chris, to give a, a general response, no? but I would say that the key concept would be to disseminate what is real, what is true, that that is not a problem only of the direct victims. Uh, so when a law society is dismantled by the government, that's not a problem only of the direct victims, but that the society as a whole is a victim. That's the key, the key concept. In, in, in a context in which in several countries, judges and lawyers are not the most uh, sympathetic group with a, a more, more legitimate group in societies and because there are some objective uh, questioning in some, in some countries. But that would be a key. So disseminate that question and at what extent that affects the society as a whole, which means the difficulty to uh, find an independent uh, and a credible lawyer, uh, a lawyer that is able to confront uh, the power, a lawyer that is able to uh, persuade judges to uh, issue rulings with uh, legitimacy and impartiality. No? So that's a very difficult question. When I, I remember the experience of um, my country no? when Fujimori made a self-coup <coughs> in the 90s. No? Uh, he had just made a speech in which he had accused publicly all the judges in the country as uh, uh, jackals. Mm -hmm. they, said, yeah, they are jackals. And the polls, what they say, everybody supported 
that idea, no, no, there are no jackals in Peru, but uh, everybody knows the histories in Egypt and jackals. Huh? So, so what did Fujimori did, and he received 90% of support. He dismantled the Supreme Court, and there are still the pictures in which there are trucks of the army uh, in, inside, uh, beside the main uh, building of the Supreme Court in Peru, in which they were throwing by, uh, by the window the huge files of the judicial process that were taken outside the main building of the Supreme Court that disappeared uh, forever. Cases of corruption and things like that with support of the population. So that's a, a question that we should debate more. No? What is happening in certain countries that generates this? In, in, in some cases, there could be a, some legitimacy. In some cases, not. Or depends. In Guatemala right now, the, 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 besides the, the fire department, after that is the prosecutors that have more popularity. Why? Because people feel that uh, to fight corruption, the fiscalists, the, the public prosecutors are playing a positive role. So there's concrete things in which uh, at the same time, uh, the protection of uh, law associations, law societies, bar associations, colleges, the abogados, uh, should be connected, that's my personal view and approach, with accountability. So. That's important that because the basic principles of 1985 connected with the uh, uh, rules of uh, judicial conduct uh, of Bangalore of 2002, that, that is a good set of, uh, a good combination because the legitimacy of a uh, group in the society that is supported but as at the same time there is some uh, element of distrust in, 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 some, in some countries so, so you have accountability. Judges should not be removed from their post until they finish their, their, their mandate, hmm? but they should be investigated and dismissed if they have some uh, problems of corruption and so on, of course, following due process. So that complete set is a question in which, again, I return again and again and again to succeed in this process of guaranteeing independence, uh, that connection with society is absolutely essential. Because it's in a democratic society, you need the support of uh, the society. In an authoritarian process, in many cases, these authoritarian process have their roots in their own legitimacy, in the distrust of society, in the rule of law, in lawyers, and especially in judges. So it's a process in which we won't solve it only with specific rules for judges and lawyers and protect the judges and lawyers, not taking into account what is happening all around in which uh, you can be, we can see that in the, the next election, the next important election in the world, in which uh, already more than 50 million people have vote, voted for a candidate in Brazil, that is uh, Duterte too. Hmm? Uh, what will happen after that? Hmm? All right, well, we're coming close to the end. Do we have any more questions or? One more question, and then after that, uh, if you have questions after this, then feel free to speak to Diego Garcia Sayan after the program. Go ahead, please. You are?
difficult question, no? because I would say, yes, there has been s several advances in many countries, no? uh, but to be frank, I will be in position to necessarily connect that advances to a kind of political leadership by the governments concerned that have to do with these strategic goals of the United Nations. Perhaps it was a coincidence, but to give the example of Latin America, which is the country and the area I know more, uh, there is an amazing amount of criminal processes uh, to deal with serious cases of corruption in which very high-ranking people in governments have been prosecuted, imprisoned, and convicted. No? The vice president of former president of Guatemala has just been convicted. Uh, we have all former presidents of Peru convicted or, 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 or in prison. So that's a question that 20 years ago, it didn't happen. Nobody imagined that, uh, that, that, that the previous president in Peru, Kuczynski, that uh, re resigned some months ago, the day after he resigned, the prosecutors and the police were sacking all the, uh, his, his personal files from his two houses. So. We have in many countries much more independence, much more uh, possibility to trust that some uh, absolute impunity in our histories may begin to, to change, to, to finish. No? But how that is connected to these goals of the UN, that's the, the, the path in which I don't have clarity at all because there is no systematic dissemination of those principles among the local political bodies, the judicial bodies, law associations at all. So perhaps it is a coincidence no? that in some countries we have much more independence. But at the same time, we are being, uh, was watching a reverse process taking place in many parts of the world, and especially in the democratic Europe, in which, I, as I have mentioned already in my last report on Poland, but it could have been on Hungary or in many other countries, no? <coughs> in which not only the idea by the government to control the judiciary was very present, but that a, 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 a sort of a, Successive step, steps to manage that control, that includes in the case of Poland uh, the radical and unconstitutional change of the constitutional tribunal, the dismissal of more than 50% of 43% of the members of the Supreme Court using the pretext that they are diminished the age so that they choose what age we should diminish or that to dismiss is the only country in which the retirement age is being reduced. That's uh, Poland. So, so you see that in, in, in I, I am not responding very clearly because, because my, my feeling is first, many things happen because there are uh, internal political processes that lead to a conclusion that has to do with the goals of the UN, but nobody knows if really it's a, a thing that is deliberate. And some things that are going in absolutely Contradictory, contradictory direction. Nobody speaks about independence of judges at the high level of the UN. I haven't heard the Secretary General, this one or the previous one, to make this as a crucial point. I don't see what, what, what matters that the Secretary General speaks at all. I don't have that big clarity on that. No? But So that, that would be a, not a very complete uh, answer to your difficult question.
some things will be adopted in this General Assembly about corruption. I have a meeting tomorrow to discuss a resolution, um, but the people that are presenting that resolution, they were not present today in my presentation, so they, they it's clear, it seems that they know everything about the independence of the judiciary already. <laughs> Thank right, well, thank you, thank you again. Thank you for your very interesting remarks, very pragmatic. Uh, uh, I wouldn't say pessimistic, but realistic Realistic. remarks, which uh, we appreciate. I mean, I, I, we could have clouds and flowers and birds singing, but better to know the reality of what we're doing. So thank you again, and look forward to seeing you again soon. Thank you. Thank you.